All right. So today we're going to read and comment on and get um, deeper into the Law of One, session five. This was um, this was conducted January twenty-three, nineteen eighty-one. Uh, I assume you have the link, but I'll send it here anyway. This is the re-listened version, <clears throat> and actually we only have five. I'm assuming three questions and answers here. Or, you know, after Ra's initial greeting, there's really only 5.1 and 2 and 3, and that's the whole session. And we're focused here on healing and a little bit about um, the way of um, establishing the contact that Ra was recommending, the methods recommended um, for the LNL group of Jim and Carla and Don. <clears throat> and um, so Ra uh, greets them. Uh, maybe some words were lost here at 5.0. Ra said, Greet you, I am Ra, or I greet you in the love and the light of the infinite creator. And that's uh, the way they normally open. Now 5.1 is the is the uh, introduction in this session to the discussion of healing. Don says, The last time we communicated, we were speaking of learning of healing. It's my impression that from what you gave to us in the earlier session, that it's necessary to first purify the self by certain disciplines and exercises. Then, in order to heal a patient, it is necessary, by example and possibly certain exercises to create a mental configuration in the patient that allows him to heal himself. Am I correct? Uh, you'll see that, <clears throat> you know, as we know this more and better, uh, Don's approach was correct, but a little uh, not not quite subtle here, and he was learning what Ra was, you know, what Ra hadn't uh, presented fully, trying to get a handle on it, how actually does healing occur? And Ra answers, <clears throat> and again, this is all preliminary, and we're just going deeper and deeper and taking successive passes into um, the body of the teaching. Ra says, <clears throat> although your learn-understanding distortion is essentially correct, your choice of vibratory sound complex is not entirely as accurate as this language allows, meaning... <clears throat> Although you're learning and your understanding about this is basically correct, that the healer is helping the patient or the other heal him or herself, your choice of words is not quite as accurate as it could be. Ra goes on, it is not by example that the healer does the working. The working exists in and of itself. The healer is only the catalyst, much as this instrument, Carla, has the catalysis necessary to provide the channel for our words, yet by example or exercise of any kind can take no thought for this working. The healing working <clears throat> is congruent in that it is a form of channeling some form of intelligent infinity. So healers don't do healing uh, by example. And so in therapy, uh, this is one principle that some people assume is working, is that the, the, patient, the therapist models 
and the patient uh, observes and then mimics or copies the modeling. You know, the therapist is modeling empathy or modeling um, receptivity or um, sincere dialogue or something. <clears throat> that That is not quite the way it works because uh, the healer doesn't heal. The person seeking healing heals himself, herself. Healing is done by the self, for the self, by the self-healing properties of the self. Ra actually said that, that line at some point. And so, uh, like Carla doing channeling, it's simply that she herself has the conditions of her being available, or the, or the conditions of her being are such that they will allow channeling to occur. The healer has developed him or herself um, in such a way, in mind and body and spirit, in terms of their energy fields, in terms of their understanding, in terms of a self-purification, although Ra doesn't really use that word purification, because it sort of implies that they're dirty and becoming clean, and that's not what's happening. It's, uh, re it's mm, releasing distortions or energy blockages. It's dissolving energy blockages associated with the chakras particularly and chakra relations, which is the same as moving out of distortions in mind. Distortions in mind are basically uh, reflexive emotional patterns uh, like anger, irritation, frustration, um, short-temperedness, um, anything associated with aversion. And... Um, greed, uh, <clears throat> uh, sorrow, self-pity, mm, discouragement, long-term disappointment, uh, a certain kind of hunger, a certain kind of feeling of emptiness, a certain kind of feeling of, of deficiency, uh, and then fear and uh, avoidance, and uh, distracted mind and you know, frustration with uh, being unable to focus. All there's basically, it fits into the Buddhist triad of uh, grasping, aversion, and ignorance. These are called the three poisons in Buddhism. And as we keep reading, uh, I will keep bringing up the connections between Buddhist theory and Ra's teaching. And the three poisons in Buddhism, uh, desire, aversion, and ignorance, is basically plus, minus, and zero. And you'll see the this whole thing about uh, everything that exists is actually uh, a, a visible uh, a, a visible polarity that is complemented by an invisible opposite pole. And so every form of desire, every time we want, it's associated with something that we don't want. And every time we there's something we hate, aversion, get it away, it's associated with something we do want and hold, want to hold on to. So grasping and aversion are two sides of the same coin, or I want to take, or I want to get rid of, or I love it and I hate it, love it in the sense of I want to get it and hold it, hate it is aversion. These are both based on ignorance, 
And <clears throat> these are basically the, the templates or the, um, the roots of distortion in mind. In psychological terms, uh, we can talk about self-conflict and limiting beliefs, core beliefs. If you think uh, it's uh, silence is indifference, silence is neglect, then we can't be silent with somebody. Uh, if we think that uh, the world is a hard place and I've got to be tough, then we act up. We end up walking around with a hard shell. Uh, if we think, you know, that uh, there's no God or there's no uh, soul or there's no life purpose, there's no higher design, then we may think that life is unfair and um, I'm, a, I'm a helpless victim and things don't make sense and there's no God and everything is just, you know, random and, no, you know, there's no, there's no order, there's nothing here, there's just human, imagine, you know, human process. So the limiting belief or the particular beliefs uh, that we are very unconscious of normally uh, are the undergirding of our uh, instinctive emotional process and ways of being in the world. So that's psychology. So in, in this discussion, I draw from psychology, from Ra's teaching, from Buddhism. <clears throat> and then from my experience doing counseling 20 years plus and... Um, Understanding energetics, um, the association between um, chakras, energy conditions, and mind. So, uh, the healer uh, doesn't uh, effect healing by their example. They don't um, effect healing by uh, some kind of exercise. Uh, the healer is the one who has uh, developed him or herself uh, in mind and energy system such that they can channel intelligent energy from intelligent infinity. They become a crystal. So Ra said of Yeshua, Jesus, the crystallized healer has no will. <clears throat> uh, the crystallized healer is a person who has clear the major blockages of second, third chakras associated with the personal personal identity and um, the personality in society, in group, which is the emotional and the intellectual. And they also, that healer is also very highly developed love and wisdom and balanced, coordinated, fourth and fifth chakras. <clears throat> and highly developed and coordinated with sixth chakra, which is um, the opening to the unified self, or the law of one, or the realization that all is one and one is all, um, emptiness of selfhood, and um, the greater identity. And that allows the down downflow of energy through the crown chakra, seventh chakra at the top of the head, through the sixth chakra, third eye, forehead, middle of the brain, into the body, into the torso, out of the hands, through the radiant, radiant field through the body. And that's what the healing really is. And that's not done by personal willing, but by the crystallization of one's energy fields. And that's the result of working on our psychology.
knowing our psychology and meeting it with acceptance, unconditional acceptance and understanding. And that is the working. That's the self-working that prepares the healer to be the channel for intelligent energy or for universal energy or prana or chi or whatever you want to call it, like Reiki, the different systems of channeling energy. Uh, the preparation of the healer is what allows them to, to, to be part of a healing. But what's essential is that the person uh, receives and reconfigures their energy field and their thinking, their mind and body, their energy and their consciousness, in accord with a less distorted way. Meaning, uh, you can take the horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Uh, the person heals himself. No healer does healing. Healing exists as it is and um, is achieved by uh, the strong desire and the capacity of the person to do it for themselves with the help of the healer. So, uh, 5.2. 5.2 is the heart of session 5. And Ra basically uh, goes to the next level of presentation of the teachings uh, associated with healing. <clears throat> and so Don says, We have decided to accept, if offered, the honor duty of learning teaching, so he's already using Laura's language, the honor duty of learning teaching the healing process. I would ask as to the first step which we should accomplish in becoming effective healers. And so, <clears throat> first of all, when I read the raw material once and twice in the late 80s and the mid-90s, I never realized that this that raw material was about teaching healing. It was about healing. Self-healing and um, the way of, of this the transformation. I didn't know that. I, I knew it was about wanderers and UFO and ET and world process and history and cosmology. But I didn't find this stuff uh, because I just read over it. And not until the 19, uh, until I guess the 10 years ago or so, did I realize that the heart of the raw material is the teachings on healing, healing and initiation. And I put together the PDF, which uh, you should have or you can have, uh, which is the basis of many YouTube lectures or commentaries on my channel uh, from the PDF on healing and balance. Principles of healing, principles of the one infinite creator, healing and balance. And <clears throat> I really felt um, a higher calling in mind, in spirit, to produce that PDF, which was about 55 pages, and it was pretty much unused for five years or more. And it's a compilation of all of Ra's teaching on healing, which includes this session quote, the session you know portion, and others. Uh, this is what Ra really um, was here to give as the basis of the law of one. You know, we can talk about all is one, and you are everything and every thought and every situation. True. But how do you come to live it? So Carla wrote a book, Living the Law of One. How? Well, it's only done by self-healing and initiation. And uh, most people who read the raw material 
don't get it or don't understand that this is what it's all about. It's not uh, the cosmology of creation, how the, crea how the universe was born, or the mind of the infinite creator, or UFO ET and positive negative and Orion Confederation and history uh, and dimensional shift and harvest and wanderers. That's actually um, not the heart of, of what they're teaching. It's essential, but it's not core. Because the core, uh, like the teachings of Buddha, or Gautama Buddha, uh, are the way of self-transformation. It doesn't, you know, interesting ideas don't mean much if we're very stuck emotionally. And we don't know how to make good relationships. And we're conflicted with ourselves and fight ourselves. And walk around in some unrecognized distress. And never really feel peace or never really enjoy anything most people are this way so what's the nature what what's the value of understanding cosmology or higher dimensional life or multi-dimensional life and wanders and all of this if we never come to ease if we never make release um, you know it's like um, a rich man in 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 rags uh, what's the point if you don't use your money to, to, to bring yourself well or to use it for benefit? So uh, this is getting into the heart of what Ra wants us to know, which is uh, how we may transform ourselves from ignorance and suffering to wisdom and well-being in service to all. And so... Don is saying, okay, <clears throat> we, we're willing, we, we decided that we want to accept, and this was a decision that the group made, of course, before this session, and they were thinking about it in the last few sessions, uh, that they would like to learn how to become effective healers. Now, <laughs> Ra gave the teachings on self-healing, and in fact, very, very little um, of those teachings include techniques or methods of working on others. Very little and, and very non-specific. And that's great <laughs> because people don't need more technique that they can misunderstand and uh, misuse. And so if, if, if the person hasn't done that purification or um, freeing of confusion and pain and conflict, then they really should not be working on others in a big way certainly not by technique and, and crystals and energy and things. And almost all the so-called healers you see today in the communities, in the New Age movement and here and there around the world, almost all of them um, are at an intermediate level, level of their own healing. Some of the most wounded people around are healers. Some of the most wounded people around are psychologists. <laughs> and um, uh, so <clears throat> that's why they got into it. Uh, the question is, how far can they go? And it's not really important to be a healer of others, because when you've done the real work of healing and initiation of the self, naturally, one is a force of healing universally, or naturally, one is a radiant, radiant healing source of, of love and wisdom. Fourth chakra, fifth chakra. One radiates love-light, love wisdom, 
naturally as the healing and initiation is achieved by the self. And that's really enough. If one wants to do physical work or energy work with others, fine. But it's not necessary. So, Don saying, I'd ask, what's the first step we should accomplish in becoming effective healers? And Ra says, we shall begin with the first of the three teachings, learnings. So, Ra will begin with the first of the three teachings about healing. We begin with the mental learning teachings necessary for contact with intelligent infinity. The prerequisite of mental work is the ability to retain silence of self at a steady state when required by the self. The mind must be opened like a door. The key is silence. Now, these are the teachings necessary for contact with intelligent infinity. Intelligent infinity is accessed by the linkage between 6th and 7th chakra. Forehead, crown. 6th dimensional, 7th dimensional. Uh, not better than the lower chakras, but uh, less distorted in their nature, the higher centers, and uh, necessary for receiving the receiving universal energy, you see. The healer really is a vessel or a channel, and the healer is like a purified circuit board uh, that can uh, receive and transmit, or, <clears throat> uh, I don't know the, all the right electrical terms, but uh, there's a certain transformer, transformer ability <clears throat> to the healer's energy field. So when Jesus or Yeshua met the lepers and people who were all in trouble and said, Heal me, Master, uh, <clears throat> he was able, by his um, achieved healing and balance initiation himself, to, to use, to allow his own energy fields to receive and transmit, to download and transform and send out and radiate and transfer to the person needing healing. But the fact that the person could receive and create that self-transformation of healing is due to the person, not to the sender of energy. So the healer needs to, to, to really do energy healing. The person needs to have a, an activated and, and developed energy field. <clears throat> the energy field means the seven bodies, seven energy fields associated with the seven chakras, not just one energy field, but the seven inter interpenetrating energy fields that are associated with seven chakras. Now, <clears throat> that would allow contact with intelligent infinity, which is uh, a download from the infinite, which is accessed by seventh chakra through sixth chakra, which becomes intelligent energy, which then is channeled out in association with uh, fourth or fifth or sixth chakras itself. So there's an, if you think of the seven chakras, you know, like a column, <clears throat> the, there's uh, incoming energy to the crown, to the head. Uh, it's not as simple as this, but it's one way to look at it. The, <clears throat> the radiant aura of the head um, vibrates in harmony uh, in some way with the reality of unity 
and infinity, <laughs> the source, with absolute, absolute reality. By that resonance, there's the capacity to download from seven to six chakras. From that, which is called intelligent energy, uh, there's the transformation transformer, like an energy trans electricity transformer. There is the uh, capacity to transform that <clears throat> intelligent energy, six chakra, uh, the result of contact with intelligent infinity, to transform and emit or send or offer that transformed intelligent energy through uh, green, blue, and indigo itself. Fourth, fifth, and sixth chakras. Green, blue, indigo. Meaning that <clears throat> what comes through for the other may be of the quality of comfort, love, unconditional acceptance, being with, caring. It may be of the nature of wisdom. It may be the nature of um, wisdom, guidance, advice, information, truth, um, self-reflective knowing. It may be the nature of, of an energy transmission, pure and simple, which is indigo six transmission. And so <clears throat> to, to do that <laughs> requires real, real, for real contact with intelligent infinity. That begins with um, being able to have a quiet mind. The prerequisite of all mental work is the ability to retain silence of self at a steady state when required by the self. Self, no self. It's requiring, it, it's uh, achieving or dwelling comfortably with a silent mind. That's called samadhi <clears throat> in Buddhism. That's the result of concentration, one-pointedness, quiet mind. I remember once in the monastery, um, I had a chance to leave for something and um, do something, go somewhere, <clears throat> and I was thinking about vacation, you know, and I thought, what's the point of going on vacation anywhere if my mind is upset? How can I enjoy anything if I bring this upset mind with me? And so, you know, <laughs> people spend a lot of money and go to the five-star resorts uh, so as to comfort themselves while their busy, conflicted mind remains the same. <laughs> what kind of vacation is that? You can't take a vacation from your mind, but you can transform and purify the mind uh, by learning how to move towards silence. So, <clears throat> Taoist saying is, power gathers where there is stillness. Stillness equals silence of mind. Silence of mind is the door. It's just the beginning. The mind must be opened like a door. The key is silence. Uh, if one can't dwell comfortably in silent mind somewhat, one really has a hard time knowing the mind. You know, we can say self-self all the time, but really we're talking about um, our, our being knowing its mind, we as a being, knowing mind, being at ease in mind, um, transforming mind so it is a place of wellness, um, a warm home, a lovely place, a beautiful mind, right, like the movie. Uh, 
there cannot be a beautiful mind when there's no silence in the mind. So silence of self at a steady state means a quiet mind, quiet mind dwelling. And that's exactly what vipassana, mindfulness type meditation will lead to. But it's not the end of the line. It's actually the foundation for deeper work, which is insight, uh, which is realizing the nature of mind and the nature of self and what freedom from this is. So <clears throat> silence of mind is, is, is the prerequisite for anything. And that's why when we do that meditation, vipassana or mindfulness, and develop one-pointedness and concentration, it's easier to identify what's happening in mind, which is commonly called knowing yourself. And so it's easier to know, okay, uh, using the terms I, I'm, I'm really angry, or wow, I have a lot of anger, or wow, wow, my, this deep pain really is under my anger. Wow, I, I, I walk around as a tough guy, but actually I'm a real softy. Or, wow, um, it's very hard for me to not talk or to not jump into the situation. Or, yeah, I don't really want to feel my, my sadness because um, I really don't like it. Uh, or, yeah, um, this, <laughs> this mind has all these patterns that, that I'm, not, um, I'm not directing. It goes by itself. The monkey mind. So all that, all that, all those contents and processes of mind are more easily recognized when the mind is quiet, and the mind becomes quiet in practice by technique, by concentration. That's the concentration on the breath, or the mantra, or the candle, or whatever it may be. And uh, silence of mind is a true vacation, is a true holiday. Then. Ra says, within the door, the door of mind, um, finding the deeper mind, within the door lies a hierarchical construction. You may liken unto geography, and in some ways, geometry. For the hierarchy is quite regular, bearing inner relationships. Now, this is a really deep comment about the nature of mind as being hierarchical. Uh, just like the three chakras, first, second, and third, um, can be seen as a linear hierarchy, in the vertical, right? Uh, the first is below the second, and the third chakra is above the second, and uh, one is down and one is up. That um, visual or temporal, uh, spatial, spatial hierarchy, the solar plexus is above the, uh, the middle belly and the sacrum, and that's above the you know, base of the spine, and this ordering, uh, is a symbolic representation of the depths of mind, of, of the different layers of, of mind that begin with the surface personal and go to the deeper personal and then go to the collective and, and the racial and the planetary. And this is, at a deeper level, is where we get into the discussion of the archetypes. The uh, tarot cards presented by Ra to the initiates in Egypt, the first 22 cards, major arcana only, representing um, a, a training system 
for understanding uh, the hierarchical mind and the processes and relationships between between aspects of mind in the deep in the deep personal in the deep collective mind actually everybody has those 22 aspects or or 22 aspects of those cards can be identified in the um, geography of mind that is um, 3d mind physical physical body 3d mind uh, in the solar system that's associated with all 3d mind veiled mind in the solar system so that's a deeper level of mind uh, but one of the takeaways is if you if you don't know something ask yourself and if you want to know an answer ask yourself because all the answers are in the deeper mind and that's called the um, potent that's the um, potentiator of mind so <clears throat> the conscious mind in the tarot system that Ra gives the conscious mind is called the matrix of mind and it's the first card is the magician and the second card is called the potentiator of mind the potentiator of mind is the unconscious and that's um, the high priestess and the interplay between those two is what produces experience and ultimately um, the significator or the development of, of true mind, the revealing of true mind, uh, comes by the deep um, interplay between the conscious and the unconscious or the matrix and the potentiator. And that relates then, so the 22 cards show us in some ways the geometry of the deeper hierarchical mind. The hierarchy is quite regular and bears inner relationships and again there's a relationship between the chakras, right? So there's there's a particular relationship between one, three, five, seven, and the hard line, and another relationship is called two, four, six, the soft line. There's a relationship between seven and one, two and six, five and three, <clears throat> and you know on and on and on. Two and five has a relationship. So one and four has a relationship. They all have you know many many. They're all related. But there are key um, relations between particular chakras also. And so that's the regular hierarchy and the inner relationships of mind. Then, <clears throat> uh, the third paragraph. To begin to master the concept of mental discipline, it is necessary to examine the self. Now this is um, the beginning of the four what they call the four steps of learning mental discipline the path to the disciplined personality discipline not in the sense of um, being a hard ass taskmaster but the ordering of mind so that mind is not a crazy man but mind is a well trained um, helper um, for most people mind is way out of control and and monkey mind is not just monkey but he's an insane monkey and he's psychotic and that's normal and if you watch too much television you will damage your brain period and if you hang out with um, stupid people you will become stupid uh, so be careful who you're with <laughs> and be careful what you pay attention to uh, because um, distortions are infectious. Ra said, 
we cannot plumb the, dist the depths of the distortions that infect your peoples. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, I, it, again, it's not about becoming um, square and uptight and, and elitist or anything, but we don't want to harm ourselves. And there are a lot of people whose minds are very messed up uh, at this time in history. And so the opposite of that is um, the view of what's called mental discipline, the disciplined personality. And uh, it's not, you know, it's, it's not uptight, but it's um, well-ordered in truth. So, uh, <clears throat> to uh, move towards the disciplined personality or to understand what mental discipline is all about, it's necessary to examine the self. Know yourself. The polarity of your dimension, and this is the first of the four exercises, the polarity of your dimension, and this, this stuff is not, not that applicable in a sense because uh, it becomes second nature when you know the principles, but it takes a long time to really get this. Much easier to talk about chakra relations. So, this uh, first step, the first mental discipline, Examining the self involves um, these aspects. The polarity of your dimension must be internalized. Where you find patience within your mind, you must consciously find the corresponding impatience and vice versa. Each thought that a being has, has in its turn an antithesis. The disciplines of the mind involve, first of all, identifying both those things of which you approve and those things of which you disapprove within yourself or mind, and then balancing each and every positive and negative with its equal. The mind contains all things, therefore you must discover this completeness within yourself. <clears throat> so the first step is discover the completeness of your own mind. The second step is actually accepting it. <laughs> the third step is uh, accepting the completeness of others' mind, and the fourth step is accepting it. So discovery and acceptance. Uh, which is, you know, understanding or uh, recognizing and accepting that leads to understanding. This is the discipline of understanding. In fact, that's a phrase where I use, the discipline of understanding. So know yourself, accept yourself, know the other and accept the other. To know the self or to know the other, uh, examine the self, it's what Ra's calling the internalization of the polarity of our dimension. The polarity of our dimension is... When I, <clears throat> so I gave the example, I'm in a relationship, this person has certain patterns that are um, selfish, insensitive, disconnected, um, basically unloving, but um, unreasonable even, unfair, and unrecognized. I feel anger, I feel frustration, I feel impatience, I feel you know, irritation. Those emotional reactions are made totally by me in relation to that person's behavior. They're responsible for their behavior, and I'm responsible for my reactions. But I know I need not be an angry man. I don't want to be an angry man. I don't want to be stuck in anger. This is um, an instance of internalizing the polarity of our dimension. Uh, where I found anger, <clears throat> I could find acceptance. Where I found impatience, I could find patience. Where I found dysfunctional or dis distorted 
uh, reactions, I recognize that I could be a different way. I don't have to be an angry person no matter what she is. I don't have to be. I don't want to be. It's unnecessary. So I found within myself or within the mind the corresponding qualities of mind that balanced those uh, polarized expressions of anger, frustration, irritation that I was stuck in. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> excuse me, from silence of mind, or quiet in mind, I could observe those patterns. Oh, look, I always get angry with her. And then I could acknowledge, oh, I don't have to be this way, I don't want to be this way, I know I can be another way. Then I could find those qualities. Oh, I can be patient, I can be quiet, I can let it be, I can let it go. Let go my need for her to be otherwise. Let go my need or desire for the relationship to be otherwise, meaning to be good, to be mutual, to be close, because it isn't with a person who has these patterns of insensitivity. Okay, I could find within myself um, the peace of not needing a good relationship with this person. And the peace associated with being okay with myself, even though this person is really not uh, capable of, of intimacy. Okay, I can let go of my need. So this is, in a sense, finding the antithesis to the um, appear, appearance of the patterns of, of thinking and feeling. So what appears is the external or the phenomena that appears in the relationship, in the situation, is, is uh, the polarity that's obvious, the, the, the apparent polarity. I'm angry. The internalizing of that polarity leads to discovery of the antithesis. The antithesis is the complement. And so, where I have hate, I could have love. The moment contains love. Where I am upset, I could be relaxed. How do I know? Because I know, because they exist together. And so, where I have inconsolable grief, uh, I know I also could have acceptance of, of loss, or um, the ability to go on without, to do without. So, anyway, it gets very subtle, and... Uh, Ra's way of explaining it is it needs a lot of breaking down um, to put into the context of our normal um, way of thinking and experiencing our mind and our life in situations. So this polarity of the dimension being internalized is um, balance is balancing itself, and it's finding. Uh, identifying those, or say, identifying those, both those things of which you approve and those things of which you disapprove within yourself, within the mind, then balancing each and every positive and negative with its equal. And so, discovering the completeness within oneself, as the mind contains all things, um, you hear a report of a, of a, you know, rapist, some horrible, cruel people on earth, and feel enraged. Uh, it's natural. Uh, meanwhile, we could be that way too. 
Now, I'm not saying I'm not counseling leniency, and I'm not saying uh, people shouldn't be punished, but uh, many people walk around very stuck in hatred against the evil. I have been. It's easy. Um, but that's also stuck, <laughs> meaning walking around hating the evil ones. And there are many. But I'm not afraid to see them as they are, but I also don't want to walk around hating or being overly concerned, because what can I do? And it is. I can send love light. I can bless. Um, but I don't want to walk, walk around hating or, or broken down. So how to move through it? And so that's a balancing process, and that's understanding myself or the mind, my mind, the mind, and understanding the, the polarized antithesis or opposite of the the conditions of mind that we find ourselves stuck in. And so balancing each and every positive and negative charge with its equal, that's the hardest, this is the hardest phase of the healing work, the portion of mental discipline of self-examination and um, finding, finding the wholeness in mind rather than being stuck by picking and choosing. And Ra will later talk about how... Um, Picking and choosing is a problem. And so that's the second uh, mental discipline, which is acceptance. So they go on. The second mental discipline is acceptance of the completeness within your consciousness. Also said, uh, acceptance of the completeness of mind. It is not for a being of polarity in the physical consciousness to pick and choose among attributes, thus building the roles that cause blockage, blockages and confusions in the already distorted mind complex. Each acceptance smooths part of the many distortions that the faculty you call judgment engenders. So the second mental discipline is to accept the discovered completeness of the self-mind. And Ra say, uh, for uh, us in third density, uh, which is a being of polarity, a being, beingness in polarity or experiencing polarity, which means any kind of... Um, Opposite, oppositional, um, any kind of oppositionalism. Oppositionalism meaning there's me and you, there's day and night, there's good and bad, there's pain and ease, there's healthy and unhealthy, there's blocked and unblocked, there's what I like and what I don't like, there's what I think is high and what I think is low. That's polarity. So we experience polarity, you know, nearly 24-7, except until we move out of it, uh, <clears throat> for a being of polarity or in polarity in physical consciousness, if we pick and choose among qualities, we will build roles or we will create more blockages, we'll create more distortions and confusion in an already distorted mind. So, I, I love kindness and I hate anger. I hate my anger. <laughs> okay, well, how do I expect to get out of it if I hate it? Cannot be done. I hate what's bad. Well, hating is bad too, right? Oh. Mm. Well, I guess then, if I hate it, I hold it. So if you hate it, you hold it. If you avoid it, you hold it. The only way to stop holding it and put it down um, is to be with it, which is acceptance. And so each acceptance smooths part of the many distortions that faculty called judgment engenders or creates. 
judgment. That's bad. That's good. I like when I'm this way. I hate when I'm that way. That is all self-knotting. K-N-O-T-T. Knotting. Knotting up the mind. And um, that creates energy blockages, which equal mind distortions. That is... Um, all of that is ultimately based in, in false beliefs, false limiting core beliefs, false limiting core beliefs, like, uh, I need to be a tough guy to walk through my life, or, uh, you know, this is, this is good and that is bad, and that's just the way it is for everybody, or, you know, uh, I need my partner to be the same as me. <clears throat> or everybody is the same as me, right? And there are million, million, many, many deeper beliefs that are distorted that are associated with judgment and right and wrong, good and bad, and what I can accept and what I hate. And that creates more distortion. And um, social roles or uh, social costuming... Um, that leads to more pain and confusion later. <clears throat> like the person, you know, the man who loses his job and then he goes to drinking and hates himself and uh, kills himself. Why? Because he had some positive sense of self associated with the, his role as, uh, you know, in his company at the job. And he judges himself as being so inferior and uh, unworthy of living if he doesn't have that job. So all kinds of self-judgment, a judgment of other, creates more distortion. And it's the, it's the opposite of acceptance. So, know yourself, accept yourself, examine and discover the completeness of mind, then accept it. The third discipline of mind is a repetition of the first, but with the gaze outward towards the fellow entities that it meets, that one meets other people. In each entity there exists completeness also. You know, you see, what Ra's really saying is, in mind, mind, the mind contains all things. That's the point. The mind contains all things is your mind and the mind of others too. So that's what, in each entity, there exists completeness. Is the meaning? The meaning of that is, in the self mind and in the other mind or other self mind, there is completeness. Mind contains all things. Thus, Ra goes on. The ability to understand each balance is necessary, which is basically doing the first kind of practice for others. When you view patience, you're responsible for mirroring in your mental understanding, patience, impatience. When you view impatience, it's necessary, or this is the practice, it's necessary for your mental configuration of understanding, <laughs> to move your mind towards understanding, impatience, patience. So when you view one thing, you can recognize its polarized antithesis or opposite in the mind and in others, in ourselves and in others. So I can find my anger, and I hate my anger, I judge my anger, but I also can find peace and um, balance them together and know that, that all, all conditions are possible in this mind. And therefore, I don't have to be stuck in any one of them. Uh, if I want to be, <laughs> I will be, and I'm stuck because I can't let it go because I think I need it, based with based in some limiting core beliefs. But in knowing the self and knowing the other, which is the same actually, because uh, mind is mind. 
so-called inside, so-called outside, mind is mind. Know yourself, know the world. Uh, the key is to uh, discover and accept the wholeness of mind, and that's where forgiveness can come from, right? So you can see the person acting cruelly or badly, you can also see the pain in their mind, and you can also see why they're acting this way, and their woundedness. So this is what a healer needs to see, and a therapist, and a friend, uh, to see the deeper levels uh, below the surface. So, uh, Ra says, most configurations of mind have many, as many facets, for sure, and that they are using this as a simple example, the idea of viewing um, impatience and mirroring impatience patients. Uh, it took me many years to figure out what they're saying here, so don't worry about it. Most configurations of mind have many facets, and understanding of either self-polarities or what you would call other self-polarities can and must be understood as subtle work. Subtle work. How many channels talk about subtle work? How many channels can even follow what we're talking about here? So yes, indeed, there are levels of teachers. And some teachers are done, and some teachers are junior students. Let it be known. The final of the four stages, the next step is the acceptance of other self-polarities, which mirrors the second step. So know yourself, accept yourself, know the other, and accept the other. This is... Um, this is making peace with mind. <laughs> this is uh, our, our true being making peace with mind. It's mind and the other mind. The quality of mind. So all manifestation generally, generally, let's just say, uh, non-enlightened manifestation of mind represents a polarized appearance. The antithesis or opposite, the other pole, is unrecognized, but it's there too. It's potential. There's actual and potential. So everything that is actual, the appearance, is um, supported by uh, an unrecognized, not yet apparent or hidden or subtle counterpart, counterpoint, polarity. And so the, the person who, you know, us in our anger... Um, is 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 uh, based on us or the mind in its peace, and when we're impatient, as this example they gave, there is the capacity for patience there too, and in fact, um, it's it's embedded in the patient in in the impatience. That's the interesting thing. Uh, embedded, hidden, buried within the substance or the nature of that experience of mind is its polarized opposite. Love comes only with love-light. Light comes only with light-love. There is no one without the counterpoint uh, appearing or being within it. And so uh, there's the uh, appearance and there's the cause the cause is always hidden within the appearance or the counterpart or the polarized counter counterpole counterpart counterpoint the the opposite the apparently opposite is embedded 
in the polarized expression. This is very, very subtle, and um, it goes far beyond an understanding of mind and healing into the nature of um, experience and um, the nature of phenomena. So, meaning, uh, all apparent phenomena are simply the visible expression of hidden noumena, meaning uh, sacred and boundless. And so, the apparent and limited is itself a manifestation of the hidden and uh, unlimited. And um, that's the same way that ultimately all love is love-light, or all light is light-love. All energy is essentially um, free will. Anyway, <laughs> it goes into cosmology and the nature of existence. So, know yourself and know the, the completeness of, of mind for oneself and then accept it. Discover the completeness of the mind of others. See that. Accept it. And those are the first four steps. So Ra says these are the first four steps of learning mental discipline. The fifth step involves uh, observing. So if you can get through those four, you're pretty good. But it's, it's doable more and more. The fifth step involves observing the geographical and geometrical relationships and ratios of the mind, the other mind, the mass mind, and the infinite mind. That's uh, where the study of the archetypes comes in. And um, we can get to that later, if, if we get into the later sessions. So, and that, that is just working on mind. Okay? Now, the second area of learned teaching is the study understanding of the body complexes. It's necessary to know your body well. This is a matter of using the mind to examine how the feelings, the biases, and what you would call the emotions affect various portions of the body complex. It shall be necessary to both understand the body polarities and to accept them, repeating in a chemical, physical manifestation the work you have done upon the mind, bethinking the consciousness. The body is a creature of the mind's creation. It's an important phrase. The body is a creature of the mind's creation. It has its biases. The biological bias must be first completely understood, and then the opposite bias allowed to find full expression in understanding. Again, the process of acceptance of the body as a balanced as well as polarized individual may then be accomplished. It is then the task to extend this understanding to the bodies, meaning our thinking about the bodies, of other selves whom you meet, the simplest example of this is the understanding that each biological male is female, each biological female is male. Uh, and again, this is the law of one. This is bringing, um, this is uh, exercising uh, our preliminary understanding of the law of one as it applies to mind, other mind, and body, and other's body. Which is to see a wholeness in, in the apparently limited and apparently polarized. So uh, the simplest example of this is the understanding that each biological male is female, each biological female is male. This is a simple example. However, in almost every case wherein you are attempting the understanding of the body of self or other self, you will again find that the most subtle discernment is necessary in order to fully grasp the polarity complexes involved. 
and they close it at this time, we'd suggest closing the description until the next time of work so that we wait so that we may devote time to the third area, commensurate with its importance. The third area is the disciplines of spirit, the spirit complex and the particularly sixth and seventh chakra work. And and that is um the heart of this session. The last question, and I'll go back to the body thing, uh, body work again. The the last question, 5.3, is just asking about, um, is Carla comfortable? Anything else we can do to help her more comfortable? And Ross said, the candle could be rotated clockwise approximately 10 degrees. This is a narrow band transmission. This is a serious contact. The candle could be rotated clockwise approximately 10 degrees each session to improve the flow of spiraled energy through the being's receiving mechanisms. Uh, this was some kind of alignment of the candle that would be that was associated with a precision of uh, intentionality, precision of intention, precision of commitment to total self-offering um, by Carla for the working. And um, so they said, we asked that the objects described meaning the candle and the chalice and the Bible uh, and the incense sensor. We ask that the objects described and used be centered with geometric care and checked from time to time. Also, that they not be exposed to that space-time in which work is not of importance, meaning don't take them out and play with them and don't, hang, don't, don't use them in other times other than doing the channeling sessions. And that is... Not that those items have some kind of magical power, but that the um, the quality of the group, of the mind of each of the people, Carla, Jim, Don, doing the working, is associated with, with the degree of geometric care that they were showing. To perfectly align and measure, they used ruler and measured things, uh, the alignment and the... the proportions and ratio, you know, the, the relations, geometries between the items uh, that were used there uh, as the, the props, actually, to um, help her move to the right state of mind and the group. This was done for them um, to improve the transmission uh, as a demonstration of the... Uh, their commitment uh, and that's the case with ritual too some part of ritual in general has its power by the exercise of, of um, diligence and um, there's a word I'm looking for it's not uh, it's uh, related to impeccable but it's it's very um, very serious and diligent in responsibility for excellence. <laughs> and those qualities of mind are associated with, with this contact with the narrowband transmission. And they're associated with um, deep work. Deep work on self and deep capacity to help other. So, um, to just go back a bit, the body is a creature of the mind's creation. Basically, it's understanding the biological bias of the body. The body wants to eat and sleep. 
and have sex and it likes warm and it likes uh, soft or comfortable or whatever that's the biological basis and we can see it in our in our life in in arising you know all the time then the opposite bias also allowed to find full expression and understanding or be fully understood the opposite bias is um, the mind wishing to um, control the body uh, against its biological bias it's the non-biological bias of the body and its withdrawal from those activities which the body also has a tendency to the body uh, you know enjoys some challenge or get some benefit from not eating this kinds of thing or the disciplining of body by mind uh, the process here is the process of acceptance of body as a balanced as well as polarized individual <laughs> the body as an individual and, and then we extend that understanding to others and see the completeness of um, biological and non-biological tendencies of the body and this is very you know to get into the details is very detail very subtle you see the work on body follows the work on mind and so uh, it's more advanced than the work on mind and and it's associated very much with um, allowing uh, the kinks and the um, crink crinkles um, the uh, blockages in the electrical system to uh, heal themselves by a kind of surrender so it's actually adept practices that are associated with uh, the deeper working on body because it's working on the etheric body it's on the energy body okay so <laughs> I think I went on very long there but you see this is really um, heavy heavy duty so Don is saying help, help us become effective healers and Ra is giving a very profound introduction to the healing and balancing of mind and then uh, and then body and then spirit so it'll all get clearer um, as you listen to it again it's basically know yourself accept yourself know the others the mind of others and accept that uh, know the body in what it likes what it doesn't like and its natural way and the way of uh, going against that natural way and the wholeness of um, body tendencies or body qualities the integration of uh, what appears and what's hidden and so let's let's end for now yeah you see again uh, the first time I read this stuff I didn't have any idea what they were talking about and after going through it a lot many times and going through the PDF healing and balance uh, I can get some sense of what they mean and the key is to try to to understand the essence and then practicalize it make it operational uh, practical in how we think about ourselves and so finding examples is really important and that shows whether we understand it or not whether I understand it or not uh, and it gets clearer as we approach it from different angles there are many different angles that Ra presents um, in, in discussing the healing of mind and body and spirit but you can see that 
balancing equals healing. And balancing is to find the balance uh, of what appears um, single. And so we feel, I'm angry. But there's something hidden there that we don't see. And there is that, that the mind that says, or the mind, the, the mind that says, I'm angry, or the consciousness that's aware of anger, is itself not angry. <laughs> you know, if I say, I'm so upset, um, that comes from a position of consciousness that is not upset and can identify itself as upset. So what's identified is the polarized opposite of the qualities of mind that do the identification. <clears throat> yeah. Well, I think that that capacity to observe comes from stillness. You know, the, the one that says um, it's moving is not moving. The one that says I'm angry is not angry. You know, there's there's the distinction between the identifier and what's identified. The identification or the observer and the observed. Uh, and this is not really uh, the distinction, but um, it's useful to see it this way. Meaning, uh, I feel so angry. Well, that observation is done from a position that is separate from what's being observed. And that's, um, that's a very strange thing. <laughs> right, yes. And, and um, it's basically separating so as to later unify. Uh, from a, <laughs> it's very subtle. From, from the initial condition of an unrecognized identification. I am anger. I am angry. I am angry equals, or I am angry means, I equals angry. But actually, there is an observer in mind that can observe, that is observing the anger. So, it's a misidentification. The equation or identity that we assume is, I am anger. I am angry equals I is anger. The me is angry. But actually, we can split that, and that's the first separation of an unrecognized identification, uh, which is, no, who, what, what is observing anger? The fact that we're actually identifying it and saying there's anger, observing anger, indicates that there's an observer who is not of that nature. And that's not, um, that's not the end of the game, but that's, separate, that's basically uh, looking into an unrecognized identity, identification. Whenever I meet my mom, I feel so terrible, I feel like a child. Well, uh, the fact that you can identify that indicates that there's a portion of mind or there's, a, there's an observing place in mind that is not of that. And that's an initial separation. And that's what you call getting distance. And that's done in meditation when we're following the breath. And then thoughts arise. It means we, are, we recognize that thoughts are coming up into a quiet place of mind. 
I was sitting in meditation and bang, all these memories came back. And I felt so much sadness. This is coming from stillness. That's the same thing you do when you're uh, observing the mind outside meditation. It's the same kind of thing. And it's, it's um, splitting that unrecognized identity, identification with the emotion. Then we realize, oh, okay, anger and these emotions come and go. Uh, who is it that experiences that? Well, clearly, it's not uh, those emotions. <laughs> it's, it's an observer. Now, one can also get stuck then at that level and think, okay, I am the uh, still, silent point of observation. I'm a big I, E-Y-E. I am the I in mind. Self is the sun that observes all the contents of mind occurring in the, in the sky of mind. That's actually not true also, because that that is taking um, observation or the quality of observation as a self. <laughs> and so that has to be broken too. And and then, and then, ultimately, one is free of um, any of that split or those identifications. And so there's a, there's a traditional Vedic saying, and I use this in my book, when the knower, the known, and the means to knowledge are one, then there is Brahman. Brahman meaning uh, absolute creator, um, you know, full enlightenment. Uh, when the knower the known and the means to knowledge are one, then there is Godhead, or absolute consciousness, absolute awareness. And that unity is, uh, but that unity actually comes after that second stage of recognizing that the observer is not uh, the emotion. <laughs> okay? So, first you have to go from the apparent to the basis of the apparent. And then you have to go from the apparent and the basis of the apparent both being empty. Ooh. This is, you know, a couple of steps ahead. Uh, and that's Ooh. called uh, freedom from attachment to emptiness. So form is empty, meaning the stuff that we observe has um, an invisible basis or is not substantial. It's... Uh, its process. And then, that emptiness, if it's identified as a thing, is also another form to be dissolved, or to be seen as empty. So emptiness is empty. Or, our beliefs about what is, are also empty, and not substantial. So, uh, <laughs> getting, getting, getting kind of late and subtle here. This is, uh, this is deep deep working, deep and subtle. And so Ra used the word subtle a couple of times uh, because the mind has to um, be very um, delicate and um, nimble and um, sensitive to what's occurring um, to do the work. So increasing sensitivity. Anyway, you see, that's why Ra talked about silence of self or silence of mind at a steady state. Mm, we can't observe, you know, if we're driving in a car, 
it's very hard to get the bearings of another car that's driving past us. But if we're not moving, it's much easier to identify the target. Uh, it's much, you know, you've got to be settled to, to, to scope your target. And the target, in this case, is the content or the process of mind, uh, which is particularly, you know, whatever is uncomfortable or, un or difficult or uncomfortable or unpleasant for us. Uh, to see it clearly, um, it really helps to be quiet. And, and then you realize that, oh, okay, this stuff comes up and goes away. And it's why they say take a breath, take a deep breath, take a time out, take a moment. Uh, and then you'll see that it comes and goes. And you'll see that you, as an observer, are not that. Uh, that's, a, that's the next stage. And that's discovering the completeness of mind or the polarities of mind. And then we accept them, which is also including that we can manifest many things that we don't like which we would normally judge ourselves for, but judgment makes it worse. Okay, I can be a rager. I can be selfish. I can be, um, you know, self-pitying. I can be cowardly. I can be uh, deceptive. I can be, you know, less than forthright or sincere in, in explaining something if I don't want to say it all. Whatever. Whatever it is, I can be. But that doesn't mean I'm bad, because who are you really? And that's where we get to that kind of practice. Uh, Eckhart Tolle talking about who are you observing is coming from actually a teacher called Ramana Maharshi, who is also uh, quite fully enlightened, as far as I can tell, and that's rare. And his practice was uh, encouraging the, the disciples or the students to inquire, who are you? What am I? And that's one very traditional uh, yoga or Hindu practice to um, discover the observer. And then there's some detachment from the patterns that are normally reflexive in mind, but that's not the last step. Thank you. Thank you all. Um, I appreciate it, too. Okay. Good night.